if you don't take care of the people, that triangle falls apart, okay? It's a corner piece to it. It's not going to work anymore. So your human capital, as people refer to it as, is just as critical as the technology that you have. Noelle Sue Chalfant joins us. Noelle is currently the director of training at Novice, a global company of about 850 people that provides technology that helps organizations unlock greater performance and efficiency across the cargo supply chain. Thanks for joining us, Noelle. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your career journey? Where did you start? How did you end up as the director of training at Novice? Yeah, no problem. Um, I will say that I'm not a spring chicken. I've been in the technical training industry for over 35 years now. And actually, I got my start when I was in college. I had this great professor who took one look at me and said, well, you're very gifted in computer science and mathematics, but you also know how to break it down into bits and bytes and teach others. And I just really had an affinity. I never had a fear of uh, standing up in front of others. So she said, you will go into training (laughs) and she made me start doing it in college. So when I got out, that's really how I started my career as a technical trainer, support engineer, um, you know, in customer support, those type of roles. And after about four or five years, I started learning more about training management getting into it, how I could actually learn more about instructional design and so forth. So I wound up learning by fire. You know, I started with a whole box of about a thousand transparencies that I would cart around to go do instructor-led training. And I watched the industry grow up from computer-based training to LMS systems come in, the whole bit. And along the journey of my career, I've done both Uh, for-profit training, so revenue-based. I've done cost center-based systems. I've done internal training and hybrids. So what are some of your core responsibilities at Navis as the director of training? Uh, Basically, anything to do with, first and foremost, the customer-based training. So that deals with the development, the delivery, the administration of it, the IT infrastructure associated with it, the sales of it, you name it. Uh, I do a little bit on the internal training in terms of the development of our own people with our products, because obviously I have the same curriculum I use for the customers. We use it internally. And then I work with our counterparts in R&D for more of customer development. And looking at your career history and just what you've told us today, you've done all these exciting things. You co-founded your own marketing and consulting firm. Uh, And it looks like you've done some fun stuff in terms of building a business and running a business. And Rory and I have this idea around treating your L&D organization as a business within a larger organization. You have your own products, you have your own services, you have your, your staff, your stakeholders, your customers, et cetera. And so we really believe that you need to run your org like a business and you need to think about it that way. How are you going to scale? How are you going to grow? How are you managing your assets? What are your thoughts on that point of view? I'd love to get your insight. Perfect. Yeah. And I I agree with you. Um, For one, I started my career in a garage with a couple of people in a software company long ago. And when I built my own businesses, I kind of felt like it's the same as running a large training organization today. And here's why. 
training is a business within a business. And I drive people crazy when I say that, but it's true. It's the only function that I know of that has the following. It's got a delivery component, and that's the instructor-led, that's your trainers, that's all the assets associated. It's got an R&D function to it where you develop your curriculum and your certification and your exams and all that good stuff, okay? Then you've got the administration piece to it because let's not forget, whenever you run training classes, everybody has a thousand questions. What is this class? Can you send me the outline? Where are the logistics? How do I make travel arrangements? And then now you've got the IT infrastructure, okay? This is your LMS systems, your LXP systems. Uh, then you've got all the development tools, whether it's Storyline or the Microsoft products or Camtasia even. So you're running all of these different things. And then in my world where I run the sales as well for training, I'm talking to customers. I'm designing the curriculum pass. I'm putting together the large training program of how to take their end users from where they are today into our new systems. And let's face it, a lot of software sales guys, if you tell them the word learning in a curriculum path, you're going to be looking at deer in the headlights. Huh? Duh. No, no clue. And they shouldn't. Okay, that's not their forte. It takes an understanding of instructional design, how to put it together, how to weave it all uh, part of it. And that's really what's critical to running the business within a business is understanding that. You do your own marketing. Okay. And so trying to explain that to somebody takes a little bit for them to understand because they never realize it that way. They just think, oh, well, yeah, you got a trainer, put him in front of the classroom and you're done. Mm -hmm. The other thing I also try to explain is training is the only business that gives you feedback constantly. We're mm -hmm. always evaluated daily, hourly, weekly. How do you think about and conceptualize and put pen to paper around ROI for the training that you develop and push out. And then once once you do have kind of your numbers, uh, what are you able to do with those numbers? Sure. Um, in terms of the ROI, so if I'm looking strictly at customer education now, so I'll focus on that. The ROI to me is one of the biggest questions I get asked constantly because Although everyone says to themselves, yes, learning is great. We must learn. Learning is, is wonderful. There's a problem. Now you want to put a price tag to it. it. They don't understand the business part of it. So the way I take it and the approach is I have to look at what they are going to get out of it. Why are we training that customer? What is going to happen to the people who leave the class? Are they going to be improving the productivity? In our case, it's on the ports. How many containers are going to move through there? It's called TEUs. How much quicker and how many come through? If we do our job poorly, they're going to use the software badly, and that's going to impact the performance. So there's a direct correlation. There's also a cor correlation within the skills of a particular job. One of the jobs that we have is a vessel planner. They're planning the ships. Well, if the vessel planner is not up to par doing what they need to, we failed in our training, their productivity again goes down and you can see it. So I have to take it from their perspective. What are they going to gain or lose? And then it's a math equation, right? You know how much it took you to develop the course. You know what your infrastructure is. You know what your trainer costs are. Now I can put an ROI. I can put a profit margin to it. And now I can demonstrate to them, you paid X. This is the profit I get from it. Okay, that's the internal part I keep. But I tell them, here's what you're paying for it. 
here's what you're going to get out of it in a direct correlation. And then there's one other key fact. Don't forget the measurements. Because I want to make sure the person took it and just didn't hit play on a video and walked away. We need assessments. We need questions. We need measurements. We need time. I need to prove to them that what I'm saying actually occurred. There needs to be a proof. And it's not just a, there's a um, knowledge assessment. And then there's performance assessments you can do too. Yeah, I saw that in your Stack Academy where you would do a pre-test and a post-test so that you could say, look, they started here and then at the end they were able to get to here. So that's knowledge transfer. And how are you fighting for that budget? How are you getting what you need from the organization in order to be able to achieve your goals as a L&D business within Novice? Well, that was actually one of my toughest things when I first came aboard because obviously they didn't have very much of anything. Um, and as you heard, we do call it Snack Academy. Um, that was a play on words. Academies are enablement or universities are ways people brand themselves. And we just came up with the word Snack Academy and have containers all through it because it makes sense. That's what we're doing. We're moving cargo. We're moving containers. That's what our industry is. So I had a trainer or two, almost no courseware and a boat anchor of an LMS, which we really couldn't use. And so we had to start from scratch. And the way I really started going and asking for money, I really had to put the ROIs. The ROIs were twofold. One, what were we going to make? Because obviously I have a customer focus, so I am going to make money on training. They had made minimal. How was I going to change the pricing model to actually make this a profitable business? So that was problem one. Problem two was now I needed to write courseware almost from scratch because we had to shelve everything. It wasn't instructionally sound. We were going to do blended learning, continuous learning. We didn't have any e-learning, so we had to build 400 modules from scratch, okay, interactive modules, some micro learning, some 60 minutes, okay? That doesn't happen poof overnight without investment. So part of my um, justification was twofold. One, the... Uh, Year before I got to Navis, they had done a very large customer survey, like everybody does. And they got dinged in the top 10. Three of the top 10 issues were lack of training related or poor training or not enough training. So I had a little bit of oomph there. And then two was how little of the product we were actually teaching. So it was more of a matter of, hey, look, guys, you want people to use better productivity. You better train them how to do it. And if we're only training a portion, that's a problem as well. You know, we only had these two courses. So I can tell you it was easiest to justify the trainers because I could put a number to how much they were going to deliver. But again, when I showed them what could go in, out, the measurements, it made a big difference. They had to see the whole picture. Um, that's incredibly informative. I think so many people have such a hard time not only asking for budget, but an LMS is almost the foundation for a lot of learning departments. And there's definitely a lot of sticker shock. And so as somebody who's seasoned like yourself, what are some misconceptions that you've seen a lot of organizations have around learning development? What do you kind of say to them to help their organization understand the purpose of learning and development as a department, as an entity, what they're responsible for, you know, how, how do you kind of go about that? An L&D department that is focused on the employee, you know, upskilling. So first and foremost, the one thing that I really make very clear is that 
there are three components to making an organization successful. People, technology, and then, of course, the selling element, the, the, you know, what you're actually producing, right? If you don't take care of the people, that three uh, triangle falls apart. It's a corner piece to it. It's not going to work anymore. Okay, it won't happen. So your human capital, as people refer to it as, is just as critical as the technology that you have. And the problem is no one thinks about the fact that people want to come to work and they don't want to be stagnated. They want to develop. They want to learn. And the problem is when new people come into an organization, the first thing they ask me is, where's my three-year development plan? Okay, development plan ties to learning. Part of it is learning your job and functions, but the other part is learning other things associated with it. So that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's tied to somebody's growth. Uh, and not everyone realizes that. It's not simply a matter of go training, you guys go do it. It's a matter of making people understand it's a journey. And it's a continuous journey. It doesn't stop. So people want to know what that path looks like. Yeah, there's this idea today, or not today, it's just been around for a few years, the transformation economy, right? You're constantly transforming. You're always evolving. It's not a journey. You don't get a development plan that puts you from one, you know, I go from here to there. Right. You are on a treadmill and you're just always evolving and growing and transforming. And so... There's that misconception of, oh, I'm just going to go from here to here. And then I have a new journey from here to here. It just doesn't work that way. You're always going to be learning and growing and building your skills. Taking that concept, you're branding yourself, right? Like you're building a brand for your organization in, internally and externally. Uh, it was very easy to find information about Stack Academy and see all your content out online. It, it was very cool, very simple. Um what are some of the ways that L&D can build their brand within an organization? Um, first thing I would also say when you're defining your brand is defining your boundaries. Okay. Whether you're that, I'm going to call it cost center because I don't like the overhead because overhead typically if you're just on the internal side, they think it's, you know, you can go bye-bye. So whether you're purely a cost center or you are, in my case, a revenue profit center, which is fine, you need to define what your boundaries are. Too many times they'll say, oh, training will just do it. Okay, what we have to do is first define what it is. We are not documentation. Documentation describes everything about the product. Our job is to teach the most intrinsic things to the hardest concepts and then get people through the basics so that they know what to do. They're going to go back to documentation. We're all big people now. We're all adults. We know how to use Google. We know how to use documentation. We can figure out how to use help. We don't need it. So that's one thing is to find the boundary. The second thing is once you know what the boundary is, get your own organization embraced in it. And what I mean by that is the trainers, the instructional designers, the courseware developers, the LMS admins, whoever, okay? We're all part of training. We need to know what our square is, if you will, and when to say yes and no. And we even say no to the customers, even though they're paying the bills in many cases. So sometimes you just need to also learn to say, here's the boundary again, here's the no. So when you get all of that, the branding then becomes almost the fun part. 
And the brand just is your way of representing the learning that's going to be done. You mentioned kind of saying no and representing the work that's going to be done. How do you build a learning development strategy, like an effective strategy that helps identify what that brand is that you can kind of always go back to and say, this isn't part of our overall strategy. Uh, when you're looking at LD strategy, what should somebody be thinking about? One of the things they should be understanding is the customer needs and really what is going to make them successful. Okay. Reverse engineer it a little bit. If you look at it product centric, Okay, if you look at it like the end result, you probably are going to miss something because we have a viewpoint like everybody else does. And it might be jaded. okay, or it might just be tunnel vision or it might be the right one. The difference is I need to deliver the product to the customer. So the first thing I need to do is talk to those, you know, SMEs if it's on the business side, talk to the end customer, if it's in my case, the product customers. I need to understand what they want out of it. From there, then I can go back and create the strategy to support it. Perfect example is we have a great way of doing certification. We are certifying knowledge on our different courses. The problem is we launched it. Everything was great. Everyone loved it. They started taking it. And then we forgot to ask the question. We knew you took the class. We gave you, you know, all the information. You could go back and review it. They're like, yeah, but we need to kind of practice. And then we realized we had a gap in our offering and we went to work together to fill the gap. So again, had I asked the question of what the customers were expecting, the strategy would have come about. The other thing to me that is critical is there's not one way to do instructional design. There's not one way to do curriculum development. Okay, when you have blended learning and you have gamification games at the end and you've got interactive learning and videos, all these things, there's not one methodology. And one of the things I have found is you need the roadmap to determine, at least at a high level, how you're going to weave it together. Last piece on that one, too. Know your SMEs, your wonderful subject matter experts. They are all different in what they can give you, their availability, their priorities. So if we're not enabled, how are we going to be able to develop the training? And what's the best way to capture the knowledge? So also knowing your SMEs is a real important strategy because, again, there's not one way to do it. But if you don't know the characteristics, you're going to make a mistake. So are there any pieces of advice that you would want to give to somebody who's interested in making that next step into that director role? We, we've talked a lot of a lot about different things today and budget and resources and strategy. Are there any pieces of advice that you would give to somebody who wants to move up the ladder and go from trainer, instructional designer to director, VP, et cetera? First thing is learning about training as a business is critical. Okay. Um, you know, you can go to your organizations, ITTA, SEDMA, and all the others, and learn about training management. It is critical to learn things from how to avoid trainer burnout to picking the right LMS. So that took a while to learn. So that would be the first thing I would say is educate them on it. The next thing they need to determine is what type of training model they are happiest with. Is it the cost center, L&D, so it's strictly internal, it's enablement? Um, is it where you're doing 
uh, SME and your employee development? Are you doing partner, a channel? Are you doing customer training? Is it for profit? So the thing I would say is figure out what your model is that you are happiest with because not everyone is comfortable in each one of them. And then the last thing I would say is build your ROI case as quickly as possible. The elevator speak. How are you going to convince somebody that this is going to be successful? It might change. The KPIs might change how you measure it from year to year, even month to month sometimes. But you've got to be able to articulate that because you're going to be asked it right out of the gate. Why? Because we need money to, to do what we need to. And we need to be able to say to them, there's future revenue. There's future ROI to this. It may not happen today. So the ROI speak becomes your bread and butter to being successful and asking for that allowance, which can be quite large. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Like I have a whole notebook full of stuff, not only your questions, but just like ideas and concepts, you know, it, it, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Today.